It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, November 10th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're going to talk about the Masters. We'll give you our picks for that, kind of give you what to watch for, of course, with this tournament being in November in 2020, as opposed to April. Should be two Masters tournaments in the span of about five months. So that'll be a whole lot of fun, but we'll talk about this event here this week. Then we'll also chat a little bit about week 10 in the NFL. We'll go over some games. We'll go over some picks here on today's show. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on. My updated college football power ratings. Got a master's preview for you. Uh, We'll have a lot of picks and predictions across the NFL and college football as we go throughout the week here. Uh, Of course, we've got great sportsbook promotions for this week as well. Even money over at DraftKings Sportsbook for new users on Bryson DeChambeau to make the cut. We also have a risk-free Sunday promotion over at DraftKings for the NFL and the final round of the Masters. So we encourage you to check those out in our Sportsbook Promotions section. Updated articles for the Super Contest and the Circa Million over there as well. Tons of stuff going on. Very busy week over at ATS.io. We encourage you to check all of that out. And we also encourage you to download the ATS app. It's a pick tracker. It's got great stats and information for you. Article integration from the website. You can get that on the Google Play Store for Android or in the Apple Store for iOS. So download it through either one of those platforms, or you can download it through ATS.io as well. With that, we bring on today's first and only guest. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? Uh, Well, if you can't tell, it's cold. Uh, It's about 40 degrees in Vegas, and 40 here feels like 20. So I'm taking one for the team, Adam. I mean, this, this was a piece of cake. We used to do an audio podcast, then you got all fancy on me with video. But, you know, I could sit here in a tank top and get pneumonia, or I'm going to bundle up and talk to you, so deal with it. Well, you know what? That's all right. I'm sorry for getting fancy on you. You know, I guess it's just <laughs> sort, of, uh, sort of the way that the business is going, I guess. You know, we decided to add more of a video component here to our shows. And, of course, recording with Brian on Skype, I use Zoom with all the other guests. I don't know why Zoom doesn't like us, but for some reason, we wind up having Zoom problems each and every week. So doing this here on Skype in case it sounds or looks a little bit different for you. But in any event, speaking of things sounding and looking a little bit different, the Masters in November, no fans, excuse me, patrons as they call them, no fans at Augusta National here. And you know, look, the fact that this tournament's being played in November as opposed to April is going to change the way the course plays at least a little bit. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, it happened a little bit throughout the summer months. We talked about how cool it was going to be golf without fans to see that these guys would end up in spots they've never been before and actually, you know, not hit an errant shot that would be in the gallery and they're just off the green, chip it up and down. And it happened on occasion. Um, but this is going to be really unique because you're going to, you're looking at the course now 
without the stands adjacent to 15, the par five or the bowl on 16, I think there are going to be some really crazy spots. I mean, DeShambo's talking about hitting his tee shot on 13 into the 14th fairway for the par five. Uh, it, it, it's just interesting to see the course. All our lives, we've seen it with all the fans there, and it's it's a you know it's a pristine, gorgeous place. But it's going to be so ridiculously unique now without the fans there. Well, and something else too, and I kind of you know saw some of the players talking about it a little bit. That you know I saw Rory McIlroy talking about this specifically. You know about the surface in the fairways, about how you know the grass is going to be a lot different because the grass is kind of not just coming back because it is still Augusta, Georgia, but the grass isn't as thick as it's going to be here for this event. So the rough may be a little bit more difficult. And with the spectators there, the patrons, excuse me, you know, they trample some of that grass down a little bit. That won't be a factor here in this tournament. The greens, they'll try to make them as close to April as they possibly can. But I even saw Rory saying, you know, chipping is going to be really difficult. Club control is going to be kind of a difficult thing ball control on the approach or with scrambling. So we could see this course play a little bit more difficult. And one of the things that I thought about, one of the things I wrote about in my master's preview over at ATS.io, you and I talked about this a little bit on the phone over the weekend, rain in the forecast, things are probably going to be a little bit softer, a little bit thicker. So maybe this year distance is going to help a little bit more than it normally will at Augusta National. Yeah, and distance is always a thing. Uh, The power hitters always farewell well at the masters uh, and this year more so than ever uh rain is unfortunately it looks like in the forecast for sure on thursday friday with the chance that it clears up to a chance of showers on the weekend uh only the one day did it say scattered thunderstorms so these guys are going to be out there in slickers and playing in the rain and you bring up a good point about the chipping um i think you might see a lot more guys you know, flying it up and trying to spin it and stop it by the pin instead of, you know, using the contours of the green. Uh, you know, who's got that game plan with the up and down game is going to be really unique. But power is going to be on display here. Um, and uh, I, we got to talk about the Shambo because this is absolutely unbelievable. And we talked about this, I'm sure, whatever it was, Adam, two months ago, and said, bet the Shambo now. Bet this guy to win the Masters, and it was even before the U.S. Open. If he's winning the U.S. Open with narrow fairways and thick rough, what's he doing here? He played a practice round with Sandy Lyle. I don't know if you read this. It's insanity. It's absolute insanity. The longest club that DeChambeau is hitting into any green, par fives included, is a seven iron. He's hitting sand wedge in on number one. It's nuts. Uh, Number two, the par five, he's hitting nine iron in. Number three, he's hitting three wood over the green. We talked about 13, he'd hit driver over the trees, he'd have sandwich. Well, he's going to have a seven iron on, on 13. He's talking about maybe going into the 14th fairway, but he can't hit driver off the tee because he would drive it into Ray's Creek in front of the green. This is insane. I said, literally, I said, he will have a four-shot lead, basically, as the tournament gets going. He birdies all the par fives every day. And then I think you throw an eagle in there or two. And then, sure enough, he just yesterday was quoted as saying to him at Augusta, and he said, it doesn't mean that's how it's going to play out. 
He's got to play well. But he said to him, par is 68, not 72. He, in his mind, par is 68 here because he's literally hitting, you know, anything from seven iron to sandwich into the par fives. It's nuts. It is. It's absolutely crazy. And, and DeChambeau, of course, is your favorite, plus 750, plus 800 out there, depending on where you look. Dustin Johnson, who's played very, very well here when he's been able to not fall down the steps. Uh, you know, he's 9-1 to one here. John Rahm, 10-1. to one. Justin Thomas, 11 or 12-1. to one. There is a bias in terms of distance here at the top of this board. That is very true. Justin Thomas isn't necessarily as long of a hitter as DJ or DeChambeau. Might be the best all-around player on tour, depending on your thoughts on all these players. But you even see, you know, Kepka's up there, Matsuyama's up there, a guy that never putts well, but is a great ball striker that hits for distance. And we see his price kind of depressed a little bit here. Bubba Watson, 28-1, to another guy long off the tee, won this tournament twice, plays very well here for the most part. So are you looking at playing some of those short prices here? I know you typically don't like to do that, but as we talk about how this tournament is kind of set up and with the distance bias, maybe those short price guys are where you have to look this week. Yeah, well, I mean, talk about a bad beat. He's 28 to 1. I had Ty Hatton at 140 to 1. And then the pandemic hits. Uh, he's winning all over the world. They take the index down, reopen it at 40. He's down to 28 to 1. So that, that's a bad beat if Ty Hatton wins. I'll be, I'll be uh, licking my wounds there. But to me, it's DeChambeau. Uh, which, you know, is appalling to, to play the favorite in the Masters. And honestly, I did bet Bubba Watson at 40 to 1 two weeks ago because we said this for the next decade, you, you have to play Bubba Watson. Now, if he's in good current form, that, that helps. But the course is set up for him. I mean, literally, 80% of the course is a, is a dog leg left which means a left-hander can shoot a high, soft fade into the greens, which hold better than playing a draw. And hence, he's won twice. Lefties, Mickelson, Mike Weir. The course is set up for left-handers. So Bubba Watson's in good form. So I do think you got to take a long, hard look at Watson uh, in this event. Um, you know, Beyond that, um, there's a couple other guys. He had a bad Sunday at Houston. But in terms of how he putts, it is pretty sneaky uh, that uh, Jason Day has uh, a great uh, average scoring record at the Masters, and he seems to be healthy. Um, he kind of spit the bit on Sunday, but if he sorts the driver out with his putting, I think Jason Day's a guy maybe of late you could look at, and another guy that I think is really going to fly under the radar, um, although the, it's baked in the cake with the price, He's only played here a few times, but he's played really well. And he hits it a mile is Tony Finau. Yeah, I like Tony Finau too. And I've seen him in the 35 or so range. In the global markets, I've actually seen Jason Day as high as 50 to 1. I haven't seen that price anywhere in the U.S. markets. If you can find something that high, uh, Jason Day, definitely a guy in contention. Finau, keep in mind too, what was it, two years ago, Tony Finau finished 10th in the Masters with an ankle that looked like it was the size of a grapefruit because he rolled it after making a hole-in-one in the yeah. par three. And I think last year he was fifth, I believe. He's, so- and, and he's, he's also, uh, it's funny, Adam, you know, the beef with Tony Finau is he gets in contention he, and he doesn't know how to win on Sunday. 
But if you go back and look at the last dozen majors, he's on the first page of the leaderboard in all these tournaments. I mean, he really does show up uh, in the big event. You know, you got to learn how to kick the door down, but uh, it's not going to shock me to see Finau on the first page of the leaderboard come Sunday. And again, again, there's no role. I don't see how much role there's going to be in the fairway. Uh, The course is going to be so wet. The greens will be fine, albeit they'll be a little slower than... They want them to be with the sub air, but you know, hammer it off the tee and you know, launch. And that, that's why DeChambeau is even more dangerous now because he hits it so high and far that if, if the other guys aren't getting rolls that hit contours like on 10, you know, guys wrapping around the corner, they could even hit a three wood because it hits the slope and goes 40, 50 yards. You know, you may be forcing guys to hit driver off the tee on 10. You know, which brings Aaron T shots into play, and DeChambeau's just going to hit it all the way down into the gully. So the, the advantage for DeChambeau, guys like him, uh, Finau, who actually they say, what is it, the, the speed of his swing or the power he generates is right there with DeChambeau. Guys like that have a massive edge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Finau's a guy that, you know, is on my short list as well. I do like him a little bit here. As far as longer prices go, I think it's very hard, again, with that distance bias. And also, too, it's not like you're trying to beat a couple of elite players. You're trying to beat all of the elite players. And it's happened before. I mean, Danny Willett's a Masters champion, for example. So it can happen. I think the game's a little bit different from when Danny Willett won a few years ago. But as you start looking deeper down the board here, maybe a guy like Jason Kokrak is a guy who hits it a mile, too. He hits it a very long way. Again, not as established as a lot of these guys. And, of course, picked up, you know, that first win uh, just a few weeks ago. But Kokrak's a guy that hits it a mile. You know, I, I this is one I'm going to play him other than to say he actually plays pretty well at Augusta National. I'm going to put five or ten bucks on Ricky Fowler and hope like hell this is the major that he wins because mm-hmm. he plays really well here. Is he in good recent form? No, not at all. But maybe to me, that kind of helps a little bit with Ricky Fowler, who – usually goes into these tournaments playing relatively well. Usually it's in April. He plays well at the players and stuff like that. You know, so usually he's in really good form. And then all of the talk is, well, Ricky Fowler can't win a major. Now it's, you look at Ricky Fowler and you go, is he going to even play well here? So I think he can just focus on trying to play well, as opposed to trying to get that monkey off of his back. So at 66 to one for a guy with several top tens here over the last few years, I'll throw 10 bucks on him and see what happens. Why the hell not? No, anybody can win. Like I said, Zach Johnson won. Um, and he won laying up on the par fives. So if some guy's rolling the rock good, you know, why not? It was good to see Francisco Molinari back in action over the weekend in Houston. I mean, we haven't seen him in forever. He's 100 to 1. But I will say this. It's a little tempting He's had, he's had he's had moments where he's played well there in the past, Lee Westwood. But I'll tell you, the guys, I mentioned Hatton. Don't sleep on the English contingent because they always play well at the Masters. And honestly, we just saw the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland. Cooler conditions and the European horses condition. Uh, and a guy like Matthew Fitzpatrick, I've, I've thought long and hard about him that a, a day could come he could win the Masters, and why not? He's young. I don't think he's short off the tee by any stretch of the imagination. I think, you know, guys like Fitzpatrick, Rose, Westwood, somebody, uh, one of the Englishmen, 
I think will be uh, on the leaderboard. Uh, I didn't mention Tommy Fleetwood, but he plays a cut. But his game's tailor-made you know, to play in majors. I, I, but I'd say Fitzpatrick would be maybe the price guy. And I always have a soft spot in my heart for Louis Oosthuizen. I uh, had the Albatross, the double eagle on number two, and lost to Bubba Watson in the playoffs uh, that one year. And, and Louis can roll the rock, too. Again, we're throwing names out of guys that we think can be up there on the on the first page of the leaderboard. But, uh, you know, we haven't mentioned Tiger. Tiger 45-1. to one. Forms abysmal. I don't think the weather's going to help his back at all. But he knows every blade of grass here. Uh, how long ago does it seem that it was that Tiger won this thing? And honestly, if you want to use the words under the radar, it's real. It's remarkable that you and I haven't even mentioned him. And we're seeing it. Rory McIlroy sitting on a grand slam every time he goes to the Masters. And the one year he had it, I mean, he had, he had the big lead and he imploded. But that defeat at the Masters actually sent him on his way to win all the subsequent Masters. He, he took that that negative, turned it into a positive. But now the world of golf's got younger and better, and, and McElroy's still sitting on a potential grand slam at a 12 to 1. He hits it as far as the other guys. Problem with him is the wedge, you know, if he ever dials in a wedge that he's hitting it 8 feet instead of 18 feet, Rory McIlroy certainly can win this, but it's hard to trust him because the wedge seems to let him down all the time. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, if you want to talk about Englishman, one I thought of, and not necessarily to win because he just doesn't really have the distance to win, but I'm seeing you know, over at DraftKings plus 750 for a top 10, something like that for Ian Poulter, who yep. winds up playing really well here. Pretty good putter on these surfaces. Yeah, it doesn't have the distance to win this thing, probably. But there are lots of ways you can attack this. Top 10s, top 20s, matchups, stuff like that. We're throwing out some names to win, but these are also some guys that you and I will both look at in matchups and three balls and stuff like that. Um, Real quickly on Rory, the the one thing about him, as I was kind of reading some Masters stuff, reading up for this segment and also for for writing the article, Rory's talking a lot about, you know, his, his wife just had a kid in August, and he's talking about how some of his best moments have been playing at Augusta National with his dad, Jerry, and they did 27 holes and all that. It just, it, it almost feels to me like he's just not fully invested in the game of golf right now. Like there are other things as he's gotten older and grown up, there are other things that, you know, he's kind of more sentimental about, more worried about, you know, mentions in, in an article I saw over at ESPN, not thinking about golf all the time, just going home to his wife and kid. And, and maybe that helps, you know, maybe that's kind of a springboard for him to play well in a tournament where, you know, he's had chances and hasn't been able to finish them off. But I don't know, I, I could be wrong, but just sort of reading between the lines, kind of looking at the quotes for Rory, didn't love what I was hearing. But again, as you said, a, a world-class type of player that does hit it a long way. And that's fine. Uh, and, you know, and he's young enough, you know, that if he gets that, that crazed, intense fire and passion back, he's got loads of time to still do amazing, great things, and he still hits at a country mile. I'll just throw two more in, and and literally we could go through the whole field. But there are two young guys whose games seem to be set up for majors in the next few years that we didn't mention, and that's Patrick Cantley, who shot 132 on the weekend last time out, and uh, Xander Shoffley, obviously, uh, are terrific players. Uh, Cantley, Shoffley was T2, I believe, 
uh, the last time out, and Cantley was right there, was actually tied for the lead on 15. So, I mean, it, it's not like just because you can hit it a mile, you're going to win this thing. One of these great players can just have an incredible ball striking week, Adam. I'm like, yeah, okay, the Shambo's hitting eight irons or nine irons, and, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, the Shoffley can't be hitting six iron in and flag hunting. So I think it's going to be great, but I will give you the Armageddon scenario. Um, what time's your Browns game? Uh, they play it, early, I think. It's an Sunday, early game? Right? Yeah, it's early okay. game. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, well, the Raiders play a uh, 125 start. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Masters is going way earlier. Know that on Sunday. So I guess it would be 10 a.m. your time it comes on the air. Uh, but out here it's 7 to noon. And I, 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 just, I, I can see this coming a mile away. And that's the Masters, great finish, goes to a playoff. And they're on the, they're on the second playoff hole. And the local CBS affiliate here cuts out of the Masters playoff to show the opening kickoff for the Raiders. I can see it coming now. <laughs> I, yep. mean, I can see and I because I believe how many times have you watched a football game as a Browns fan if the Browns are playing an afternoon game you're what you're watching a great NFL game and it's coming right down to the wire and they go hey in Cleveland we're going to cut away so you can see the start of the, you watch the thing for three and a half hours and you miss the end of it because you got to go watch the game in your market I, I I I just I can smell this rat a mile away. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I would not be surprised. A multi-way playoff that goes multiple playoff holes, something like that. Uh, and, of course, as you mentioned, you know, they're starting earlier on Sunday. Also, I think they're only doing top 50-plus yeah. ties make the cut. So that keep that in mind. If you're betting make or miss the cut props, a lot more guys are going to be cut from the field this year because of the earlier sunset and, of course, right. Sunday with the NFL. So keep that in mind, too. Yeah. Uh, definitely a very important wagering angle. Last thing we'll say here, because I want to make sure we've got a little bit of time to do the NFL. I know we're a little pressed for time today, but this is something you do all the time. And of course, as we know, this course is going to play a little bit different. You don't have to fire all your bullets pre-flop. Friday night, there's going to be some great player, five shots off the lead, something like that. I know you'll be looking to hawk those guys Friday night and Saturday morning. Yeah, I think uh, you'll get a you'll get a great player at an overlaid price on Friday night. And the one final thing, I guess, um, like I said, you mentioned a guy like Ian Poulter and I hope he, I like Ian Poulter. I think he's cool. I you know, hope he plays well. And they're used to it now, but they're not used to it at Augusta. And the fact that fans aren't there, I think Poulter's a guy that feeds off fans and emotion. And there's the Sunday roars where they're playing, you know, and somebody up ahead on the back nine or at Amen Corner, there was that tiger roar, or they knew Mickelson did something, or the roars say that's an eagle roar, and they know that volatile leaderboard, where the old saying is the the Masters doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday. These guys are going to be in the dark about what's going on ahead of them. I mean, there'll be scoreboards, but it won't be like instantly, like, oh, they know they know somebody up ahead, Eagle 15, you know, when they're standing on the tee on 12, um, they'll finish the hole, get up and go to a leaderboard and see it. But that was the beauty of the Masters. Those roars impacted guys as they were getting ready to hit shots. It's going to be weird. It's going to be really different on Sunday. And, you know, 
And I don't know if that benefits the guy with the lead or if it benefits the guy that's ahead that, you know, some guy's posting that crazy number up front and, and, and the guy behind doesn't know where he stands. It, it really is a bizarre animal, uh, this Masters, because they play the, this major on the same course every year. That's the beauty of it. We know all the holes. And now we're going to all see the holes in a different light with no fans there. They're going to be guys hitting shots from spots at Augusta. You're going, how the hell did he get over there? Well, he got over there because there's no fans there. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And let's just hope that in April we get the same version of the Masters that we're accustomed to. Yeah, you know, or at least, at least something close to it. Yeah. You know, just yep. uh, I guess that's the hope here. And, of course, you know, uh, it's – Always a great field, always a great tournament. We should get a ton of drama from this year's, I would hope, unless DeChambeau just runs the weather, away with the whole thing. The weather is the sad thing right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Oh, it's just like, you know, every year it feels like the weather's shit for the Kentucky Derby. And this year the Derby was just flawless and nobody was there. Yeah. No, the Breeders' Cup was amazing. The weather was great. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it, it is, it's unfortunate. Uh, but it, honestly, Watch, again, the, back to what you're talking about, watch the first two days because the weather's going to impact and eliminate a lot of guys. And you and that's why I'm telling you, the Englishmen, that's what these guys grew up playing in, in wet, dank, crummy weather. And, you know, it's like old home week for them. I, I, no, I, no, there's going to be an Englishman on the leaderboard. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Absolutely. And, of course, you can bet things like nationality props at some of these U.S. sports books. So if you find an English player that you like, Maybe, you know, you want to put a bet on them as the highest finisher uh, or something like that. With that, after talking a lot of Masters here, we'll do a highlight video taking a look at some games for Week 10 in the NFL. I'm host Adam Burke. I'm joined by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And, Brian, I guess before we get started here, the NFL season more than halfway over now, which I think is a great accomplishment Mm -hmm. given a lot of COVID cases here of late and, of course, how bleak the picture looked as we were heading into the NFL season. But midway through here, any any big surprises that you want to key in on for our listeners and viewers? Um, Big surprises. That's a good one. I mean, I, I thought well, Casey and Baltimore were the, were the studs in the AFC. I, I guess you'd have being unbeaten uh, would be a surprise. Thought they certainly were capable of being good if Roethlisberger stayed upright. Uh, But that's a very deep, well-rounded football team. So I would say Pittsburgh being unbeaten this far in is a bit of a surprise. Thought the Bills would supplant the Patriots in the AFC East. I I would say in that division, the surprise is Miami. I, I, you know, give these guys full marks. I don't know how you have a 49-yard kick in the NFL comes up short, uh, but so be it. But Miami's defense beats... The Rams at home and then beats the Cardinals on the road. And you switch quarterbacks in midstream and and the Dolphins are in the hunt. That's pretty cool. Uh, In the NFC, you know, we know the NFC East is an absolute joke. But the NFC is, is just so wide open to me. I mean, New Orleans is playing good. Three weeks ago, a month ago, Adam, the NFC West is the best division in football. Well, these guys have come back to earth. So I think the NFC is wide open, and I think there's a, a tier of four teams in the AFC that can win it. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Pittsburgh being better than Baltimore is something that's pretty surprising. I figured Pittsburgh would be pretty good. I knew their defense would be strong. They have so much speed, such a great pass rush. Nobody was really sure exactly what to expect with Ben Roethlisberger coming back off the major injury. I expected them to be pretty good. I didn't expect them to be this much better than Baltimore, who still has a lot of issues to try and work out as we look ahead to that rematch on Thanksgiving. The Dolphins, definitely a big surprise to say the least. Brian Flores doing a great job with that defense. I'm a little bit surprised with the Bills in the sense that their offense has really taken off the way that it has. Their offense is compensated for that defense here so far this year. So that's something that's been a little bit interesting to me as far as the Bills go. And then over in the NFC, you know, I think that how quickly things have come together for Tampa Bay was a little bit of a surprise. And of course, we saw them come back to earth here this past Sunday. But the one that stands out to me is the Rams. I sort of expected the Rams to kind of fall off the pace a little bit, be pretty clearly behind the 49ers and likely the Seahawks. And for all intents and purposes, the Rams, who have had a miserable travel schedule so far, have been pretty impressive to me. They've done a good job with Jared Goff, Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the NFL. I've been impressed with what Sean McVay has done, especially because everybody in the NFL, and we know the NFL is a copycat league, everybody's tried to incorporate all of these Sean McVay elements into their offense, and McVay has now made the adjustments himself to kind of get away from what he made popular in the NFL. So I think the Rams, to this point, of course, we'll see what they do here at home against Seattle this week. I think the Rams have actually been pretty surprising to me with how they have been able to compete with teams like Seattle. And in fact, I know the 49ers have had a lot of injuries, but be better than San Francisco as well. Well, the funny thing is, I got it right on San Francisco. I thought they were going to regress. I thought that, I'm not saying it was a one-off and they got tons of talent, but I did, for whatever reason, felt they were going to regress this year. And then, of course, on top of it, they've had injuries and COVID, but I thought they were going to regress to begin with. They're still a dangerous team. Um, but the Rams, if you think about the Rams, you know, you're a year removed from the Super Bowl. And you've got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on defense. And their running game is sketchy at best. And Goff can be really inconsistent. But they do have, you know, tons of weapons. But that defense is is, is pretty impressive. It's amazing. They have, it's consistency for the Rams. They can beat anybody, I do believe. Um you know, but it's it's stringing the wins together is the the question mark. Like going cross country to Miami and just handing a game away, uh, that wasn't good. And no, and Seattle's a, is a lot of fun, but I think Seattle and Green Bay they're not winning anything with those defenses. I think it's tough. I, it really is. I mean, I, I think Green Bay's defense is a little bit better, but at the same time, you know, again, there are a lot of of teams significant weaknesses even among the elite teams or the teams that are very good out there but I did want to isolate the Rams just because as this travel schedule gets a lot easier for them in the second half of the year I do think in a lot of ways they are a play on team as we go forward here but Brian let's run through a few games here and let's talk about this Thursday night game Indianapolis and Tennessee a very good Thursday night game here which is a nice treat in the middle of the week this line's bounced all over the place between minus one up to minus two and a half. It's pretty much the prevailing number out there in the market right now. Total has come down a little bit to 48 and a half, but Tennessee's short favorite here. Indianapolis, you know, 
we know who they are. Their offense is tough with Phillip Rivers because they lose a lot of close games. The defense, a lot of people love it. For Tennessee, the offense is very good, and the defense is a little bit shaky. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like maybe if you want to say it's a, a notch below Baltimore-Pittsburgh, but this Indy-Tennessee deal kind of strikes that same chord with me where Baltimore-Pittsburgh, the home team should be three, and the road team usually wins. Um, you know, I don't know. I just got a funny feeling you may – and I know there's lo- there's a lot of love out there for Indy. I can see – I can actually see maybe this getting to three – and then there'd be buyback, and it closes at two and a half. Although the last two weeks are kind of confounding with the Bucks, the same thing could have been said about Philip Rivers after years and years and years out west. He comes to the Colts that there'd be a transition stage, and that they would get better as the season would go on, as familiarity, you know, starts to kick in. The the one thing with him, man, it's just like. You know, he's a fighter, and he can do great things, but there's always that one goop ball pass he makes. It, it, this is an, it's a tough, tough game for me. A, a division game, I'd probably, if I had to pull the trigger on a play, I'd probably lean to the under, thinking that if Indy's going to win this game, it's correlated uh, to not get in a track meet with Tennessee. So if Indy dictates play, I like, I like the under, but I side is pretty scary to me I, it's a coin flip yeah I think this is a tough handicap and in particular too because you look at this Tennessee team and we haven't seen them at full strength really at any point throughout this season you know AJ Brown was hurt early in the year they've had some offensive line injuries as well then they get the rash of COVID cases they miss a week of practice have to play that Tuesday night game against Buffalo for one reason or another Tennessee has not had a full team pretty much any week so far this year and we saw what they did, you know, really in the last 10 weeks, 11 weeks of last season with a full complement of their roster. So I think Tennessee, if they figure everything out, get everybody back healthy oh. and all of that, they're a very dangerous team. And that's the thing is every week you have to look at Tennessee's injury report and see who's missing. If they've got A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, this offense can hum against anybody. If they're missing one of those two guys or don't have Johnny Smith or something like that, then you can kind of poke holes in them because their defense isn't that good. So I know the injury reports are very important across the NFL, but to me, I think Tennessee is one of those teams where their margin for error is a little bit smaller than a lot of other teams, depending on their injury report. So I got to take a close look at that for Thursday night's game and see if they're going to have everybody or if they're not. And that'll probably dictate whether I take Tennessee or stay off the game altogether. But and we're ways away from that, but we're getting there. Uh, I, you, know, you got to run the football postseason. Uh, the Niners made the Super Bowl last year, and ultimately, at, at the end of the day, um, the Chiefs did run the ball in the Super Bowl. Uh, you got to run the football to be able to win the whole damn thing. And it, Tennessee is going to be a tough out when the day comes when you get to elimination games, because uh, right now it's an aerial circus in the NFL. But the team's going to win. It's got to be able to run the football, and these guys fit the bill there. One last game I want to ask you about, because you can head over to our ATS YouTube page, check out Brian's thoughts uh, on the Bills and the Cardinals, and then he'll also be doing videos for us on Bengals, Steelers, uh, as well as Seahawks and Rams. But one other game I wanted to ask you about real quickly here, Brian, that's game 261-262, Tampa Bay and Carolina. And we're starting to see some action out there in the markets 
on the home underdog Panthers. This line coming down to five now at some places in the market, five or five and a half. And Tampa Bay, of course, off of that really disappointing Sunday night performance, they got dominated by New Orleans. And New Orleans finally looked like the Saints team we expected, both offensively and especially defensively. The question is, was that a one-off for Tampa Bay? Was that a sign of some problem areas for them? What do you think about them laying a number here against the Panthers on the road? Well, I don't know necessarily we can say it was a one-off because maybe it was right there for us. The, the tipping point, Adam, was the game before where you can make the case the Giants should have beat them. I mean, they had them beat, and they, they kind of gave it away, and that's what the Giants do. Um uh, the one thing is in that dead zone, it's a, it's six in a lot of places. So it's, when you're in that four and a half, five, five and a half, this thing's going to pinball back and forth, six, five and eight. But you tell me how to handicap this because Carolina competes. They play hard. Uh, they're not a soft touch. Uh, they gave Kansas City all they could handle. Uh, believe me, that, that's a tough, tough game for Carolina. The handicap here is how does Tampa Bay bounce back? And is it a mad football team? You have the same kind of thought process with the Patriots. Hard-fought game, fumble against the Bills at the tail end, and basically that was kissing the division goodbye. Would that be a punch to the gut or a letdown? And it seemed like it was a punch to the gut, uh, or, or they'd be a mad football team. seemed more like a punch to the gut. They did find a way. Uh, to get by the Jets, but you're thinking if it's a mad football team, they'd kill the Jets. They didn't. And is this Tampa Bay team mad? And are they going to take it out in Carolina? Uh, McCaffrey's back. Now McCaffrey's hurt. Bridgewater's playing good. I I couldn't go near this game with a 10-foot pole because I I can see Carolina winning outright. I can see Tampa Bay taking them to the woodshed. Uh, But which one is it? It's, It's such an intangible thing. I don't I don't have a great read on it, do you? No, not really, especially because, you know, the the one thing I really like about Carolina is they play extremely hard. And, you know, I talked about this when I took them against the Chiefs last week in the Circus Sports Million, that Carolina plays hard. I know I'm going to get an effort out of them. Matt Rule does a great job with this team. The other thing is they don't turn the football over, and they didn't turn the football over against the Chiefs, and they were able to hang around in that game despite being the inferior team. So they're the inferior team in this spot again, but they're going to play hard and they're probably not going to turn it over. So was six points too many? The market dropping down to five would suggest that that is the case. So I guess since neither one of us really had a strong opinion on that game, before I let you go here, Brian, any game in the NFL outside of the ones you're going to do a video for over on our ATS YouTube page that you do like for week 10? Um, Wow. I got a funny feeling Monday night football, the Bears maybe circle the wagons here a little bit. Uh, That defense keeps them in most games. And Cook is just a monster. There's no getting around that. But, you know, Chicago's one of these teams, if they can get the lead, they're tough to play against. It's when they get down um, and become one-dimensional, they've got a problem. I, I can see Chicago kind of drawing a line in the sand saying, this is it, man. We got to we gotta defend our turf right here and right now. Uh, so 
kind of leaning in it for a bounce back effort from Chicago. Yeah, that's one of those contrarian plays that I kind of look for a little bit in the NFL. And no reason to take two and a half because I think three is coming in this game. But that's a spot where Chicago was a two-point favorite on the look-ahead lines. And now it flipped with Minnesota, a road favorite. And we know how Kirk Cousins does against pressure. We know how Cousins does against good defenses. The Bears' offense isn't great, but the defense is. So that's when I think you're definitely on the right track there uh, with that Monday night game. But make sure you check out our ATS YouTube page for these highlight videos from ATS Radio and, of course, these solo videos from Brian Blessing. And subscribe to the full editions of ATS Radio here, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. With that, Brian, uh, we'll be reversing the roles here today. I'll be a guest on your show this afternoon. So let our listeners know where they can find that and where they can find your fine work. Uh, Thanks, Adam. Uh, Yeah, on Twitter, most everything at Brian Blessing. Uh, The show's KSHP.com. There's a listen live function there. I'm on uh, noon to two in Las Vegas Pacific time. But yesterday was actually the first day, and that's why I'm thrilled to have you on today. We're on the Sports Grid radio network now. Uh, sports grid, uh, there's the sports grid radio app. Uh, Adam will be on with us in the first hour today. Um, glad we're doing that. And they get some cool things planned for the future. So getting the show outside of Las Vegas, uh, around and about, uh, excited about that and excited to have you on today, bud. Oh, I certainly appreciate it. Look forward to chatting with you again here soon. Once again, make sure you follow Brian on Twitter at Brian blessing and check out Sportsbook radio, uh, as well as the stuff he does with Vegas hockey hotline. Brian, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I'll talk to you later, and our listeners will hear from you again next week. All right, Adam. Have a good one. Enjoy the Masters. There you go. There's Brian Blessing again, at Brian Blessing, the place to find all of his work out there on Twitter. And make sure you check out his videos on our ATS YouTube page as well. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'll be back on tomorrow with professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com to talk some college football and some NFL Have a good one, everyone, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.